You're listening to Cornerstone Conversations, a podcast by Cornerstone in Fort Worth, Texas. My name is Jeremy McNair, and I'm the worship pastor at Cornerstone. Together with our lead pastor, Bobby Harrell, we started a brand new study into the book, Seven Things I Wish Christians Knew About the Bible by Michael Bird last episode. This is a wonderful resource, and I would encourage all of our listeners to go out and buy your own copy of this book wherever you buy books. Study it as you study the word and become a better student of what God has provided for you in the message of his scripture. If you listen to these podcasts and you have anything that you'd like to add to the conversation, we would love to hear your feedback. So if you would text your comments at 817-809-3040, we love to take all of those comments and integrate them into the conversations as we continue these episodes. Hello and welcome to Cornerstone Live Online again this week for the second Sunday in 2022. I'll keep when I say 2021. Yep. It's not. It's an adjustment every 2022. year. 2022. Yeah. My name is Jeremy McNair. I'm the worship pastor here at Cornerstone. This is Bobby Harrell. He's our lead pastor here. And we are once again in our podcasting room. If you ever listen to our Cornerstone Conversations podcast, this is where it happens. Just like we said last week, it's important for us to be able to recognize that our volunteers put a lot of time, effort, and energy into what happens here on a normal Sunday right. morning. And right. so we wanted to be intentional for the first two weeks of the year to give them a break, let them take a breather, and really rest. Yeah. Because they don't often get the chance to do that. No, after everybody's had a little Sabbath here, then we'll just... Welcome back next week. Come back with full of energy and ready to go for a new year. Yeah, and we'll start a new series next week too. Sure. And this one I'm really excited about. It's called Hall of Faith. Mm -hmm. Do we want to talk more about it or just let it be a surprise? Let it be a surprise. Ooh, let it be a surprise then. Let it be a surprise. Even better. Okay, so last week we introduced one of our big plans for the spring semester, and that is that our equip module is all about one thing, and that is understanding the New Testament in the world that it was written to. Normally on Wednesday night, you know, we'll offer three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten classes, uh, mm -hmm. modules are happening here where we're training people, you know, for ongoing discipleship in many different facets of life. Yeah. Personality things or parenting things right. or books of the Bible studies, all kinds of things happen here on a Wednesday night. For this upcoming semester, one big module together in the big room, and we're going to focus as many people as are willing to a study of understanding your Bible better yeah. because we think this is the key to spiritual growth is being able to understand what you read. If you yeah. don't understand and, and you don't come away with the right conclusions and applications, mm -hmm. there's not going to be this deepening relationship with God and spiritual growth that should be natural. Right. So we are discussing the New Testament in its world registrations for that are available still. Right. Some people have already started signing up for it. It's open and it's available to anyone. There is a registration fee that pays for your workbook. But then you can also add on the big old reference book. Yeah, if you want it for your library, it's a great tool to have. It, it, you'll be enriched because you have it. Right. And it's something that we use constantly. Every week of our lives, it feels like we go to that book and open yeah. it and look for just a particular thing we're looking for. It's not like reading a novel. It's right. like a reference work where you go and look, search for certain things. Yeah. Like you're reading the book of Romans. You go to that Roman section and say, what mindset do I need to approach mm. this book correctly? Right. But again, and that's that's what we're going to do churchwide as a module mm -hmm. for the, the coming out of the winter into the spring. 
But last week we referenced several books and really our goal, the pastoral goal here at Cornerstone this year is just to deepen everyone's understanding of how to approach the Bible and right. how, to, how to understand what you're reading. And so we mentioned that there were four or five books that the staff has found incredibly helpful over the last two or three years. Yeah. And let's quickly share those titles with everybody. So yeah. they'll know. So the first one would be The Blue yeah. Parakeet. This is written by Scott McKnight. And this one is all about challenging the way that you read the Bible. So getting a particular kind of goggles on before you get into the word. Right. Uh, this book, we actually took several of our young leaders through uh, people who we, we see with lots of leadership potential. Right. And we'll probably do it again sometime Because soon. we knew this would help those leaders approach the Bible with a better understanding. Yes. And this is a really creatively written book, Blue yeah. Parakeet. I mean, whoever read a book about the Bible called The Blue Parakeet. Right. So McKnight's got a very interesting uh, approach. Mm -hmm. He's a great teacher. Yeah. Very interesting approach on how to teach this topic. Yeah. And so all of these are available in the version events right. section of Are all the, of these available the on Amazon? Probably that's the easiest probably way. So. Okay. Yeah. The whole world is available. A book that I, a book that I love is how to read the Bible for all it's worth. I think in the past year, you've recommended this book more than any other book. Probably the most recommended of yeah. 21 for me. Uh, it's written by Gordon Fee. Mm -hmm. Gordon Fee is a brilliant scholar someone that we have come to respect immensely. Mm -hmm. He's, I think, Pentecostal in his roots, Okay, but fantastic. Much of what we taught on the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit in the most, we think, biblically correct way, Fee actually became our instructor in many of those yeah. things. This book on how to read the Bible approaches this topic that we're talking about today. Well, I mean, his talk title, Self-Explain, How to Read the Bible. Yeah. Fantastic book. It will it will open your mind. It's challenging. It's not super. None of these books, I'd say Blue Parakeet's probably the easiest or maybe seven things that we're discussing today. This is a little more challenging, yeah. but incredibly insightful. Right. Anyone who is pursuing leadership at Cornerstone should read this eventually. Yeah, and we so, push them all to do that. All to do that. Yeah. Okay, so then this third one is an actual textbook. They use this in college, like yeah. seminaries, right? Yeah. It's called yeah. Grasping God's Word. It's yeah. by two authors. And this is, I think, the textbook they use out of Washita Baptist in University Oklahoma? in Oklahoma yeah. Yeah. to teach this topic for, I don't know if it's for the freshman class or whoever, but when they come to the seminary and they say to them, hey, we're going to teach you Bible, mm -hmm. they start with, you know, teaching them how to, how to grasp God's word. Yeah. Again, it's how did we get our Bible? Did it just fall out of the sky into <laughs> our living rooms again? Right. Great, great uh, callback to last week. To last week. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, how did they decide what should be in the Bible? Yeah. What, what am I reading? Is this, you know, should I read Revelation the same way I read the book of Psalms? You know, all of the, I mean, it's, it's really, it's wonderful. This one's very instructive. This in also has a workbook that it does. you can buy there's with like, it. There's charts and sheets yeah. and posters so and everything that goes along with that. Anybody that wants to be a really serious, you know, hardcore Bible student, yeah. I highly recommend. It's yeah. not complicated. It's just in depth. I mean, and it's, it's a substantial, absolutely. that's a substantial book. Yeah. So all of these, again, are listed in the version app. Another great app to get is the Church Center app, and this is the very best way to give. Yeah. Well, when we're not meeting in person, I just want to remind everybody, be faithful in your giving. Yeah. And so you guys know the ministry is sustained by your your gifts, 
and we have an incredibly faithful church yeah. and all of our overseas disciples and, and all of our ministries here also depend on weekly giving. So thank you for your faithfulness. Yeah. And the church center app yeah. is also really easy to set up recurring giving. This is what I do, you know, where you say every week, this is what I want to happen. And then it's it just happens well. and it's really yeah. easy. Yeah. And the church center app is really a very secure way to yeah. do that. I text to give sometimes. And you can text to give by yeah. texting your amount to 84321. You can, I was nervous about the number as if I haven't said that number hundreds of times, right. but 84321, text yeah. your amount to that. You can also go to cbc.family slash give. And uh, all those again, lead to the same channels that are all in, right. in, extremely secure as far as ways to give. Right. right. Well, we're into a new year now. And again, the focus of the year as we start is really to try to gain a commitment from the congregation to be good Bible students this year. Right. And being a good Bible student, just it's not about learning something, seeing something I've never seen in the Bible, some deep hidden mystery that nobody's ever seen. Right. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is making a commitment to read some books and, and gain insights in how to approach the scripture mm-hmm. so that you see what God is really trying to communicate yeah, to you. Absolutely. And prevent mis, mis, misapplication, prevent uh, wrong teaching, but just, just really getting this. Oh, I, you know, I see the context. I know, I see what Paul's trying to do. Yeah. Okay. From that, I know what I need to do today. Right. Yeah. So last week we started just a discussion of this book, the seven things I wish Christians knew about the Bible. And if you didn't hear last week's, it is available on our website. It's available on our podcast, but really great insight about three points. that we talked about last week, one, the Bible didn't just fall out of the sky. Two, the Bible was divinely inspired and humanly composed. And then the third point was that scripture is normative and not negotiable, which I I think we we had a really, really nice time discussing these. All those fit really tightly together. I think we had a great discussion last week that helps people understand how the early church leaders came together Mm -hmm. and with very specific criteria chose, agreed upon, which books, it, let me say it another way, maybe it became very obvious yeah. which books were sacred and which were just beneficial. Because again, they had a really strict criteria. Correct. You know, I think about uh, the Avengers United, Avengers Assemble. I have no right? idea what we're talking about Okay, right well, anyway, it's, it's like the very best of the best get together and that's what makes the team. Oh, okay, know? now I know what we're yeah. talking okay. about. Yeah, well, and it was obvious, you know, what was written by Paul and Peter and did it have that, you know, authenticity, uh, uh, the apostolicity, Uh, apostolicity, apostolicity. Did it have the ancient timestamp on it? You know, was it used broadly, the Catholicity? Yeah. And then the orthodoxy of whether or not it aligns with the church teaching teaching aligns with everything that's already been said. So we know it's the same. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it's not random how something got in the Bible. It's very specific, purposeful and in divine, even divine. The Bible we have is the Bible God wanted us to have. And we believe not only just divinely inspired, we believe it it had to be divinely preserved. Mm -hmm. I mean, through all of the, every time I get up in front of the church and tell a story about, and here comes this emperor and he's burning all the Bibles, you know, you're like, how do we even have a copy left? Yeah. Because Christians are hiding them. Right. And they're they're, preserving them. They're risking their lives. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember in the early days when I went into Romania, so many stories people would tell me about how they confiscated scriptures and they forbade the reading of scriptures in communist Romania and how they would have it hidden everywhere. Wow. 
They would, you know, move, move a copy of the scriptures by putting it in their hat hmm. and walk from one house to another and go in and have tea. I mean, just they were smuggling it everywhere yeah. because it was so precious and sacred to them that it's like one family will have this book of the Bible this week or this one chapter, this one page out of a Bible. And our family's going to read this page all week long and try mm-hmm. to memorize it. And then next week, we're going to smuggle it to your family and your family can have a copy of the page of the Bible. Wow. And that's the way they memorized scripture. Yeah. They were willing to risk their lives There's for a, it. a devotion to it. And we want our people to have such awe and respect for the word of God that we maybe even also a hunger and thirst for it. Yeah. And from the scripture, we have a relationship with God. It's how we know about God. He reveals himself. And in concert with that Holy Spirit living in us, we are experiencing God. We're hearing the voice of God. We're reading the message of God. And that relationship is blossoming. That's what we want. Yeah, absolutely. So the fourth point then, the fourth thing that Michael Bird wants Christians to know about the Bible is this. And I'd love to hear your reflection on this. He says, the Bible is for our time, but not about our time. Yeah, that's uh, in that that's that's hard. You have to stop and ponder that for a moment. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have negative initial responses when we say things like this. You know, one of the things we tell our disciples all the time is the Bible's not written to you. Mm. And when you just let that hang out there, dot, 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 dot. And for all the other pastors who listen to these podcasts, you know, they're gripping the steering wheel of their car right now saying, Harold's a heretic over there. Yeah. You, no, no, just listen. He... It, the Bible wasn't written to you. Right. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. And he's very specific in that. He says, it's Paul, not writing to these people. James, as I quoted last time we met James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, yeah. to the 12 tribes scattered abroad, greeting, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into die. It's very clear. Right. James is writing to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. Anyway, so... We know to whom those books were written, Mm -hmm. and none of them were in the United States. None of them were written in the last 250 years. Mm -hmm. They were not written to Americans. They were written to whom they were written to in the period in which they were written. Now, just because it wasn't written to us doesn't mean that the Bible is not for us. Okay, so what is the difference? So let me say it a different way. The Bible's not written to you, but it's been preserved for you, mm. for you to read, for you to know about God, for you to have a relationship with God, for you to understand what the gospel is, yeah. for you to grow spiritually. The Bible is for you, but you need to understand it wasn't written to you. Mm. So when you open your Bible and there's polygamy and warfare and pestilence and no pharmacies and no no flu injections and you know, slavery is running rampant in mm. communities and, you know, Christians are being hung on crosses and crucified. Can you not figure out very quickly? That's not your world. Which, and again, this is one of people's greatest hangups with the Christian faith and with the Bible. They say, oh, I want nothing to do with that because the Bible says all of these things about all these terrible things. And I want nothing to do with that. The problem is they don't have the understanding that the Bible is not about it's us. not it's not condoning those things right it's the bible is written to people living in those times right and the bible is saying this is the world you live in yeah a master's treat your slaves right mm-hmm. now the bible will eventually 
be the very thing. Christianity will be the thing that abolishes slavery. Yeah, well, I think about even we just yeah. got out of the Christmas season. Yeah. One of the great Christmas songs of all time says, Change shall he break for the slave is our brother. It's our brother. It's because the Christian faith is what. It took time. Exactly. It took time. But Christianity eventually broke the chains of slavery yeah. across all the nations. Right. So the, the point is, though, the Bible isn't condoning those things in the way we would think, well, or the Bible's not saying this is normative, mm -hmm. go slaughter your neighbors and conquer them with the sword and yeah. dominate them. No, God had sent his people into Canaan, which was the land he had given them. And he knew the Canaanites were going to go to war with them mm -hmm. and they were going to have to fight to survive. Yeah. In other words, the Bible is, doesn't sugarcoat the world as it is. Right. And so when they, the Bible writers are giving the message of God to people across 1500 years of writing, mm -hmm. it's just saying, this is where you live and this is what you face. So this is how you should interact with each other. This is how you should interact. You get to the end of the new Testament and you've got a book written. That is the book of revelation. It is written in apocalypse style mm -hmm. of writing. And this is a book that is written as resistance literature to the empire. Yeah. You are under the oppressive empire of Rome mm. and, and living in an empire of paganism and persecution resist, be faithful unto death yeah. and you will receive a crown of life. Yeah. I mean, this is really the message. It's resistance literature that no matter what happens to you, the lamb conquers all and you mm. win. He won by suffering. If we need to suffer, we'll win through our suffering as well. Yeah. Just live for the Lord, resist. And if you have to lay down your life in the Colosseum with your wife and your children, then there's a life to come where all things will be made right. And what a, what a serious and wonderful message that is. Yeah. But we've lost the message because yeah. we don't understand it. Yeah. It, so the book of Revelation wasn't written to us. Right. It was written to people living in the Roman Empire in the first era. We think the Revelation is something that's going to happen in the future. Because we want to make everything about us. It's not about us. Now, here's maybe, so just to give people a differential understanding, it was written to the people living in, uh, under, let's say, the persecution of Nero, the Roman Empire, mm -hmm. to resist and be faithful, and God would make it all work out in the end. The Lamb wins. Yeah. We win because of the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony. We overcome, etc. because of the Lamb. You know, we win. Okay, that wasn't written to us, but here is how it's for us. Yeah. Because since Rome has come and gone with the sands of time, other empires have arisen. Mm. They rise and they fall. Some of them are good and some of them are bad. And if we find ourselves once again living in an oppressive empire, well, then the revelation is for us. Mm. Mm -hmm. Be faithful. Stay faithful. You know, yeah. when the world looks like it's falling apart, be faithful. You say, but what if we suffer and die? You very well may. Yeah. But we win. Right. Because the lamb has overcome and this is not all there is. There's another chapter to come. Which again, it's that message that is for us. The message is for us. But it's not always about us. It's not about and us. And we have to be very cautious to right. look so, at scripture So that therefore, way. you can't take every detail of the scripture and try to make a direct one-for-one -one application mm -hmm. to our culture. Some things that are written in scripture are very culturally specific. Mm -hmm. Veils on women yeah. is not a part of our culture. Mm -hmm. So anything about that, you, you need to take that with a grain of salt. That doesn't apply to you. Mm -hmm. Things about hairstyles of the ancient world 
has no bearing on us. But what does have bearing on us is asking ourselves, why is he saying that? Correct. Why is he giving these instructions? Because why is he removing those regulations? So maybe it was a point of friction and division in the church. Okay. Now there's a message for us. So now we're understanding the message. If little, if so dress code issues should never be a point of division in the church. Mm -hmm. Personal liberty issues should never be a point of division in the church. The gospel is centric. That's the thing that matters. We should have standards, but personal preference issues should never divide the body of Christ. We should be gracious. And the people who are causing that to be overblown are spiritual infants. Yeah. This is the message of first Corinthians. So even when we were doing our first Corinthians series, we talked a lot about what is the big idea of this passage? Because the Corinthians especially is so specific in the things that it's dealing with. It's talking about specific people and specific events. And it's important then to get a framework and really look at it, understanding, well, what's the big idea that he's really trying to communicate here? Right. Because I understand that the specific situation that he's dealing with is not my specific situation. So then what's the bigger idea? So that, see, just the language you're using now about how you systematically are interpreting scriptures, Mm -hmm. you got that from Fee now. Those are Fee thoughts. Yeah. Because Fee is instructing us, he's reminding us Mm. the Bible wasn't written in verse form. Yeah. It's written in paragraph. Chap, you know, not chapters, paragraphs and letter. It's, it's yeah, think a letter, an actual letter that's being written. And fee is so instructive on, you know, don't let the verses cause you to proof text. Well, when, and did, just read when, the when did the verses even come up? 1555. So you're saying, so, so like even, even before, I mean, people had physical copies of the Bible. It looked like a and personal it didn't have, letter. And then it have numbers in it. It wasn't until then that now there's numbers all over it. What's happened is we pull out things a sentence at a time. You mentioned this last week. We read, you, we, so it's like, hey, I'm a Christian. I need to get read my Bible this morning. Mm-hmm. And I read, and it's all just a bunch of words. And I find one phrase one, yeah. that's like a coffee cup verse phrase, yeah, right. you know, that feel good little soundbite. Mm-hmm. And that's my takeaway for today. Yeah. That's a very infantile understanding of, of how to read the Bible. It, what I would even we, say it's dangerous. Yeah, because you're going to, you, it's just, it's not about a good phrase for today. Instead, what you're doing is you're making the Bible about you. Again. And the Bible is not about you. Which is what these guys are helping us understand. Yeah. How to approach scripture. So that's what we mean by, right. by Bird's statement. Mm. It's not written to us, but it is for us. Yeah. And I, hopefully that clears yeah. it up. If not. Some more reading will clear it up for all of our, our exactly. listeners. Exactly. So yeah. you're, you're talking about Revelation. I think Revelation is a really good example of this next point as well. Um, this is the fifth thing that he wished Christians knew about the Bible. And he says this, we should take the Bible seriously, but not always literally. Okay. So again, that ties perfectly into the last discussion because mm-hmm. it wasn't written for you. And there's a lot of cultural elements being talked about in the scriptures. Yeah. I think about there's one one line, I want to say it's numbers, but it's somewhere in the Old Testament where it talks about the people's teeth being clean. Yeah. And if you're just reading, it's like, oh, they had great oral hygiene. Yeah, that's but, what, that's but wonderful. What it really means is they were starving they're, to death they're because hungry. there's they're, no food. Right. They so had they, clean have, teeth. they have nothing to <laughs> stuck in their teeth. There's, yeah. And that's something that if you took the scripture literally 100% of yeah. the time, well, like First Corinthians, uh, let those that be married, let those that are married be as if they were not. Whoa. So we can date? <laughs> uh, what does no, that mean? No is the answer. I mean, what does that mean even? Yeah. I'm married and now I should act as though I am not. Yeah. Well, if you rip that out of its context and you don't see what the whole thing is saying, 
you're going to come up with crazy, crazy uh, doctrine. Theology, yeah. yeah, crazy theology. So we we still need to look at it under and take it seriously. Why? Like, why is it saying that? Yeah. But then if you if you zoom out a little right. bit, then you understand what it's saying. Another reason not all scripture is to be taken literally is because it was not written in a style that de- that requires a literal interpretation. Ooh, so you look at, you know, the poetic books, right? It, so oftentimes we, when, when you look at issues of poetry, there's grand allegories and wonderful metaphors that are being made to express a different point than what it's actually saying. Right. And that, that's important. Right. It's expressive language that is poetry. Yeah. It's like lyrics to a song. Right. They're flowing. They're majestic. They're grand. They're incredibly expressive of I think emotions. About, I think it's Second Samuel 22, maybe, where uh, you hear that there's this grand dialogue of God coming down and taking hold of the enemies and, you know, ripping them from from the, the earth and like tearing apart the skies all to protect his people. It's right? beautiful language, but it's poetry. Yeah. It's not literal. Well, Revelation shouldn't be taken literally. Yeah. It's written in apocalypse. Yeah. It's a style of writing that is not literal. Right. It's not supposed to be literal. Mm. It's, it's, uh, it's like uh, gr- grand overproduction. Yeah. Apocalyptic. That, I mean, well, because again, it's that, that grander nature that then communicates the point right. as well. He uses symbols. He right. uses numbers. Yeah. It's not saying we're literally going to get a something stamped on us. Mm. There is no mark of the beast. It's not, it's not what it's saying. Mm. It's, it's speaking in metaphors and symbols yeah. about a greater reality, or it's communicating a message mm-hmm. through types, symbols, numbers. It was never meant to be interpreted literally. Yeah. So the Bible is to be taken seriously. Absolutely. High view of scripture. Yeah. But you have to understand how to parse what is to be taken literally or not. And I guess really- I would even say it's impossible to take it literally all the time. That's something that even Michael Bird says in this book is you can't, it's just impossible. I, I like blue parakeet on this McKnight, I think is really good on, he keeps saying everybody's picking and choosing. Nobody will just, they won't say it out loud, mm-hmm. but everybody picks and chooses which scriptures they're taking literally and which they're not. Yeah. Okay. And the thing is, the church needs to be having discussions on what is the criteria by which we decide what is literal and what is not. Yeah. In other, in other words, you, you can't just pick out one phrase out of a whole chapter of requirements yeah. and say, you know, a woman can't wear pants because it says in the book of Numbers, a woman shall not wear that which pertains to a man. Mm. But in the same chapters, it says you can't wear a mixed weave garment it must be 100% wool, 100% cotton. It cannot be a poly cotton blend right. or a synthetic fiber. So how do you choose which, which statement you're taking literally? Correct. Right. And that, those same books say you can't eat fried catfish, mm-hmm. no shrimp, no oysters, no pork chops, no yeah. bacon, no sausage, no ham for Christmas. Mm. And clearly the Baptists aren't following that. So then I guess a good question then for you is as a pastor and as a scholar, as a student of the word yourself, when you're approaching a text, what's the first thing that you do to ask yourself, do I take this literally or not? Right. How do I interpret it? The way you know how to interpret is you have to do, I mean, this is really what we're giving the church insight to Mm -hmm. where you and I would go to one of these books like this 
how to how to look at the New Testament by right. by N.T. Wright and Bird, right. and you start doing research on who wrote this, to whom is he writing, what is the occasion, mm. why is he writing this letter to them, yeah. why is he saying it like this, why is he asking this question, what is the setting, what is the context, and then we're also looking at what is the style of writing. Yeah. What is the, the genre? The genre. Yeah. Is it poetry, apocalypse, history, gospel, mm. narrative? I mean, what are we looking at here? But because you have different expectations. If I turn on the country music radio station, I have one expectation versus turning on a classical radio station. I have a completely different expectation. Yeah. I know yeah. that I'm going to about to get two very different right. things. So, there, it's both music and it's both on the same radio station, but it's very different what I'm actually about to receive. Right. The, the other day, there was a piece of paper on our cabinet on our countertop at home. Mm -hmm. And it had, you know, sugar, eggs, milk. It had a list of things going down the page. Yeah. When I saw that piece of paper, I have to make a decision. Is this a shopping list? Mm. Is this a recipe? It's a good question. What, what, what am I looking at here? Yeah. And, and depending on what my answer is, determines whether I go shopping or start cracking eggs and mm -hmm. mixing these ingredients together. Yeah, that's a great analogy. And, and so, you know, a similar thing is happening with scripture. You, we're not just taking a verse out of Revelation and one out of Matthew mm -hmm. and one out of Psalms and interpreting all the same way. That's very, very dangerous yeah, right. because they're not, they're not the same. Mm -hmm. They're just not the same. And so, you know, genre, background, who's writing, why are they writing? We have to ask all of these questions as a part of our exegesis, hmm. which is just a big theological word that means we have to do some analysis and to, to be able to interpret yeah. what we're reading and what we're really trying to show the church is really you're all interpreters. Yeah. Well, and this is why we're doing the class on Wednesday nights this, right. this semester is because we want to empower our people to be able to do this themselves. Right. Not, not everybody has to be a scholar to be a good Bible interpreter. Right. No, nobody has that expectation that you have to you know, read every theological book, but you do need to be supplied with a framework for how to read the Bible. Yeah. We're doing this because we see the church has failed. In other words, we just led people to Christ and said, now read the Bible. Now read it. So you start in Genesis one and you with, within a few pages, you see polygamy, you <sighs> see angels cohabiting possibly with women and bringing forth a race <laughs> of giants and God wiping out the earth and arcs and floods and a drunk Noah and the tower of Babel. And, and it, your mind is blown yeah. as a baby Christian. Because you don't know where to start. You and you're know like, what you're looking at. And, and here's the question you're asking yourself. I just got saved. So this is what's normative for Christianity? Mm. Warfare? crazy sexual relationships, but this is what's normative for Christianity. Yeah. I, I've told many times the story about, you know, Su Susan led a, a nurse in our community to Christ, mm -hmm. very intelligent woman of science and, and uh, told her to read her Bible and write down questions. And we'd sit and disciple her. And uh, she came back with a journal filled with questions. Mm -hmm. I mean, page after page yeah. of questions. She opened her journal and she began to say, so here was her first question. She's like, okay, so Bobby and Susan, so I see that Christianity is really where polygamy came from. <laughs> so God's okay with multiple wives and all of this. This is right here in my Bible. I read it in Genesis this week. And you can't even fault the question. No, it's, it was, it's, a, it's a legit question. Yeah. And, and it, what it reveals to everyone who's listening is the church has failed 
to give people a framework for reading the Bible. Instead, we took baby Christians and said, here, just read your Bible. Mm -hmm. For the baby Christian, even up through the teenage Christian, maybe, we should have said to them, start in the New Testament and let's read what's normative for Christians, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and learn all about Jesus and what the Christian life looks like. Mm -hmm. And then we'll build on that foundation And I'm not saying the Old Testament is not to be read. Without the Old Testament, we can't totally make sense of the New. Right. The New Testament. Because again, that was the scripture that the New Testament is working on. The New Testament just brings the story up to date. Yeah. But we have learned that as a as a a Christianity as a movement Mm -hmm. has failed its adherence. Yeah. Because it told them, "Hey, read your Bibles." It didn't tell them how. It didn't tell them where. It didn't tell them to do some analysis. Yeah. It didn't tell them that all the books were not to be taken in, in the same in way. In the same way, right. You know, that it's all truth and it's all inspired, but some of it's more relevant to you than others. Yeah. Laws about ancient cultures are not relevant to you. Mm-hmm. Human behavior, loving your neighbor, loving God, this is relevant in every generation. Yeah. And actually, that's a wonderful segue then to point number six that he makes. The okay. sixth thing that he wished Christians knew about the Bible is that there is actually a message of the Bible. And that is the purpose of Scripture is knowledge, faith, love, and hope. And again, knowledge, not just so I can say, look, I know everything about the Bible. No, what I want is this heart yearning for knowledge of God, knowledge of the Holy one, right? right. Knowledge I, of God. I want to know him, to know him, what not, not just know about him. I, I, I don't want, I don't him. just want all the, all the information. I want to know him. Like I know you relationally. Yeah. And that's through the scriptures, mm-hmm. it, but I would say also through the scriptures and through the indwelling, mm-hmm. these two work together yeah. and give us something that is unique to our moment of history. Yeah. Again, they didn't always have a Bible. Yeah. They didn't always have the end permanent indwelling of the spirit. Right. We have both. Yeah. So we think about these Bible characters as, wow, these are great heroes who did amazing things for God. And we'll never be able to touch that. Mm -hmm. Jesus is saying to us, greater things shall you do than I have done. Yeah. You have, you have this whole Bible God communicating to you his will. You have the indwelling Holy Spirit. God himself. Living in you. Yeah. Never leaving you. He's never going away. It's a permanent forever relationship. Right. And between his presence and his word in your hand or in your heart, however, you are equipped. I am equipping you. I am transforming you to be like me and equipping you to do great things on the mission of God. So it's a necessity then that we know scripture. Uh, Ellen T. Cherry says this, by knowing God, we come to love him. And by loving him, we come to know him. And I think it's so important that we understand that we have scripture for the purpose of knowing and thus loving God. The more we know about him, the more we love him. And the more that we love him, the more that we want to know about him. That's that's so important. And so then again, he he really wants to to put the point out there it's imperative that christians look at scripture with the purpose of knowledge faith love and hope and i I feel like now that really sets up the seventh thing obviously writing this book he's made these things linked together like chain links yeah because 
when you approach the scripture in that way to know God, we all know to know him as to love him. Mm-hmm. You, you, when you know him, you're going to fall in love with him yeah. and you're going to love him because he loved you and it's going to get rich. And, and then as you, here's what he said. And then when you love him, you're going to say, I want to know you even more. This yeah. is like Moses on the Mount saying, God, I just, I want to see you. I want to know you. Mm-hmm. I want to experience you face to face in a relationship. And uh, it's, it's just something very rich about that. Yeah. And that type of heart and mind helps you approach the scripture with Christ central. Mm. So now the seventh thing. Okay, yeah. So let me read the seventh point. This is the grand finale of this book, right? right. It's that Christ is the center of the Christian Bible. So let me say it several ways. The Bible as a whole, the 66 books bound together of sacred writings Mm -hmm. is communicating a big story. Yeah. And the hero of the story is Jesus Christ. Yeah. The main character is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. It, all the tension is building up to Jesus Christ. Right. The promise that God made and kept at Christmas. Yeah. Now, what's going to happen that God's king has finally arrived on earth? Mm-hmm. They're going to kill him. Yeah. Plot twist. Plot twist. No one saw that coming except Jesus himself. The apostles didn't see it coming. Yeah. The, the, the Jews didn't see it coming. Big plot twist. Okay, then the resurrection, three days, big plot twist again. Mm-hmm. Wait, he's back. Right. Big plot twist again. Will you at this time go take the throne? No, I'm ascending to heaven. Hmm. It, now the plot just keeps twisting. Right. And he says, but I won't leave you alone. I'm going to give you the indwelling presence of Holy Spirit in your hearts. Yeah. Now you... Go advance my kingdom because the, f- the future has come into the present. Now heaven and earth are reuniting. Mm-hmm. You are living temples. I mean, it's all about Christ. Right. So that the New Testament writers would say, here's how we view our lives. Paul said, the life that I now live, it's not my life. Yeah, it's in vain. My life is counted but lost. Right? It's, I, yeah. Who cares about that? It's old Paul. The life I now live is the life of Jesus Christ. Mm. He's living in me. Because right he's now. central. He's central to the whole story. Okay, so this is a good question because a lot of times we see Jesus being the point of the New Testament. He's the point of the Old Testament. Okay, so how does reading the Old Testament change when you understand that Jesus is central to Scripture? Oh, it just, it's, it's, it's night and day different because you're, you're seeing now. See, for example, no one saw a suffering savior yeah they saw a conquering king only mm. so was a suffering savior actually prophesied over there in the old sure it was yeah just nobody was paying attention isaiah 53 yeah. he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was laid upon him and by his stripes we are healed like a lamb before her shearers is done so he opened not his mouth he was despised and rejected of men that whole thing is about jesus suffering mm. Psalm 22 is, as many people say, like an advanced revelation, or you might even say it another way, as Jesus is dying on the cross, he's quoting, which is really the right way to say it. Yeah. He's saying, Psalm 22 is coming to pass before mm-hmm. your eyes right now. Mm-hmm. You know, much in the same way Jesus went into the temple to preach on his first sermon and begins to quote the prophets, yeah. the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has empowered me to set the captives free and to preach the, the message of the Lord and to, to make things right. And mm-hmm. it, it's, it's happening right now before your eyes. When you have that lens 
you see Jesus as a type of the ark that mm. saves us. Yeah. You see Jesus as a type of some of the people mentioned in the Old Testament. Right. You begin to see Jesus on every page of your Bible. Yeah. The whole story is really about it's all pointing to Jesus. Jesus. Is he is central to scripture. Correct. And one thing that we talked a lot about is, you know, when you look at the church through all of time, it's it's constantly gone through reformation, right? You see people getting closer to God and then falling away, then closer, then falling away, and closer. And it, it, it is the story of the Old Testament, especially when the when the Israelites come come to know God in a certain depth in a certain way, and then they fall away. And they come closer and they fall away. And it's because they're inching forward and closer and closer to Jesus as their Messiah, as the one who would redeem their lostness. Then even in the New Testament, you see the church doing the same fluctuation, closer and then further, then closer and further. And I think it is one thing that we've recognized as a church is it's important for us to understand that the goal is to get closer to Christ in the same way that Jesus is the, the tent pole of the, you know, of, of the Bible. He needs to be central to what's happening here right. at Cornerstone. And anytime that the church starts fluctuating away from Jesus being central, we need to start doing some major yeah. correction to yeah. get closer to him being the center. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. And that, that centrality, like, like you said, it's, it's something we need to encourage each other in. Mm-hmm that we're not pursuing greater study of the Bible to be smarter than some other group of Christians or smarter than my brother or sister. Right. I want to know Christ. Mm. I want to do what Christ wants me. I want to be a light shining as Christ in this generation. Yeah. I want to make disciples. I want to advance the kingdom. How how do I grow in my relationship with Christ? This is what we're really saying. Yeah. We're not just reading the Bible to be smarter. We want to know Jesus. And to know him is to love him more. To love him more is to want to You'll know more. You'll be driven to want to know more. Yeah. So this is why, again, why we're doing this thing on Wednesday nights now. So I want to challenge all of our people. Get signed up for that class. It's in the Church Center app it, in the registration. Sign up for it. Listen, if your schedule is such that Wednesday night's not an option for you, yeah. here's another thing. Uh, get the resources. Find one, or you can talk to us or go online or talk to some of the church leaders Mm -hmm. and say, hey, here's where I am. Which one of these books would you recommend? Because I want to read at least one of them in the new year. And that is the challenge for this year. That's the challenge. Every member read something about how to understand the Bible. That is the journey that we're going on. Right. In 2022, our goal is that our people understand the Bible and understand how to read the Bible, how to approach the Bible, but that we do it with the intention of knowing and loving God. More, That's correct. Right. That's correct. So would you make that our prayer as we Let's close do that. today? Let's commit to that. Great. Let's bow together. Father, as our church family bows before you right now, God, our commitment to you in the new year is that we're going to pursue you. Lord, we love you, but Lord, we know that pales in comparison to how much you love us. And God, what we do know about you to know you is to love you. You are wonderful. Your gracious Father to us, loving Savior to us, an indwelling presence and peace and encourager to us. We want to know you. Spirit of God, we want to know you in a whole deeper way than we've ever known you. And Lord, we know that's through the pursuit of your word and the listening to the voice of Holy Spirit. God, we commit to these things in the coming year. 
Lord, help us in that pursuit. Open our understanding that from your word we would see great and glorious things of you. We would know you much better when the next year ends than we do now. Lord, thank you for this body. Lord, bless our church as we make disciples in the new year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Hey, next Sunday here in person, we are meeting at 1030. And we we'll launch a new there. series. We'll launch a new series. It's going to yeah. be a fantastic study. Get signed up for this class on Wednesday nights. And we cannot wait to worship with you in person again next week. Thank you guys so God much for joining us. Happy New Year again. Wow, what a great discussion over the rest of this book. We've had such a good time studying and discussing the seven things that Michael Byrd wishes Christians knew about the Bible, but also the things that we've learned about the Bible and things that we want not only our congregation here in Fort Worth to know, but also all of our listeners all across the world. We would encourage you again to buy this book, listen to it on uh, any kind of audio book, make it a part of your library and the way that you approach scripture, because by knowing God better, we love him more. By loving him more, we know more about him. Thank you for joining us in this Cornerstone Conversation, and we can't wait to make this a staple of your podcast listens in the new year. 